especially uh, more precious because of our celebration yesterday of um, uh, the life of Lori Swank and <clears throat> her love for the Lord. Turn, if you would, to the book of Mark. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2, if you would, please. As we, this week, we close out Missions Emphasis Month, and as many of you know, uh, missions has always been very, very precious to my heart. Um, prior to being a pastor, I was, uh, my wife and I were missionaries, and um, so missions has always been very, very precious to us and to me particularly. Um, <clears throat> and as I pray through the month of October for, for God to direct me in messages and so on and so forth, um, I, I always have a thought in my head when it comes to missions, and that is a single word, and that is go. Because is that not what Jesus commands us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20? Yeah, and, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, <clears throat> and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is what we call <clears throat> the Great Commission, or, or really it was the last command that Jesus gave on earth. And, and we, we tend to look at this as, as this idea of going, after uh, you know, after all, this is this is missions month at Grace Baptist Church, and and the emphasis needs to be on going and reaching the lost world. And <clears throat> as I prayed uh, for this particular message, God brought to my mind and reminded me of a story that we see in the book of Mark. Uh, chapter 2 and the book of Luke. It, it's, it's what we call parallel uh, passages. It's the same story, uh, but told by Mark, and then the other one's told by Luke. So they're usually just a little bit different, but anyway, it's the, basically the same story. And as I <clears throat> started thinking about missions and, 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 and this message this morning in particular, I kept coming back to this story in Mark, and I I kept thinking, well, okay, Lord, if this is what you want. So let's read the story. Mark chapter 2, <clears throat> excuse me, Mark chapter 2, let's start reading in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days and was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there were no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was bore of four. And when they, had, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was 
And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man uh, thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? sins but God only and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were that they so reasoned within themselves uh, he said unto them why reason ye these things in your heart whether uh, is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise take up thy bed and walk but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he, he, he rose and took up the bed and went forth before, all, before them all, insomuch that they were amazed. And glorified God, saying, We never saw it on such a fast fashion. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we wind up Missions Emphasis Month, I, I want to thank you for the Word of God and the power of the Word of God that changes lives. And Lord, as we... <clears throat> look at this passage this morning, I ask that you would give me wisdom, that you would help me uh, to communicate the, the things that you open my heart and mind to. And Lord, we ask that this would be a precious time for, for many. That the truth of, the, of this book can change lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For those of you that are taking notes, <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Making a Way. Making a Way. You may think, as, as I did, as, as God started working in my heart about this, this story, I, I kept thinking, this, this has not really got anything to do with missions. And you, you might be sitting there thinking the same thing. And then as, as God started working on my heart and showing me things in this story, I, I changed my mind quickly. And the reality is this story has everything to do with missions. I had to ask myself, what is the definition of missions? And, and if you could go to a dictionary, I'm sure there's a technical uh, definition, but for me, I, I define missions very simply, and that is bringing people to Christ. Because is that not what missions is about? So as I as I contemplated this idea of missions, it, it's simply bringing people to Christ, and that's exactly what these four men did. They brought this man sick of the palsy to Christ. We assume, and this is my assumption, and every, every 
uh, commentator that I've ever read on this particular passage uh, assumes the same thing, that these four men were friends or relatives of the man that was sick. Because, you know, I mean, think about it. You generally wouldn't take a perfect stranger to and go through all this trouble for a perfect stranger. So for the, 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 for the <clears throat> sake of the message this morning, we're going to refer to them as friends, okay? Uh, whether they were or not, we don't really know, but we're just assuming they were. <clears throat> so uh, a little side note here. Uh, in verse 1, look at verse 1. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum. Let, let's stop right there. What is Capernaum? Capernaum was a, uh, a port city where the majority of the people there uh, fished for a living. Okay, So Capernaum, what happened was Jesus, for lack of better terms, moved his, his headquarters from Nazareth, to Capernaum. Why did Jesus do that? Anybody? This is because he wasn't welcome in his own city. If you remember back, when he went back to Nazareth, what did they do? They rejected him. So he moved, if you would, his headquarters from Nazareth to Capernaum, okay? Uh, and, he, and he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, uh, in the original language, the word the uh, is an adjective. It's, okay, it's not a connecting word. It's, it's an adjective in, in Greek. So basically what it's saying is <clears throat> uh, it was noise that he was in the house, a particular house, not just a house. He was in the house. So we have to ask ourselves, what house? What is so special about this particular house? I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> Go back to chapter 1 uh, in verse 29. And forthwith, they were come out of the synagogue and they entered into the house. of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So, <clears throat> the house is referring to what? The house of Simon and Andrew. So, who can tell me what the name of Simon was changed to? Peter. So, it's Peter and Andrew's house. Now, <clears throat> Chances are, this is not their house in the sense that they bought it. It is more than likely their childhood home. And more than likely, if his parents were still alive, they were in the house as well. So it's, it is, it's like the family home, okay? So, as we look at this idea of making a way... <clears throat> the first point this morning is when we are going to be willing to make a way like the four men carrying the, 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 the stretcher, if you would, number one, 
always includes obstacles. If we are going to make a way, it is always going to include obstacles. No matter where we go, if we are going to do anything for God, there are always going to be obstacles. Let's look at some of the obstacles that are obstacles, obstacles that are in our story here. The first one is the crowd. Obstacle number one, the crowd. We don't know the conversation that took place. But as I as I was sitting at my desk reading through this and thinking about it, I came up with a conversation that might have taken place. Wow! There's no way to get in. You, you, you think that that may have been said by one of the four? I do. There's no way to get in. Another one very possibly could have said, hey, we're just too late. Possibly even one of them said, well, let's take him back. I, I kind of picture the, the guy laying on the stretcher and, and him saying something like this, hey, guys, I appreciate your effort, but it's impossible. But there had to have been at least one of the men, one of the four, said something like this, I'm not giving up. We're going to find a way to get him to Jesus. By all indications of our story here, the doors and the windows were full of people. There was no way to get him in. And the people standing around the house, and at least this is the picture I have from reading the story, the house is, is basically surrounded by people trying to listen to what the Savior has to say. Obstacle number two, the roof. <clears throat> Somewhere along the way, someone had to come up with the big idea of like, hey, let's take them onto the roof. Now, I, I mean, honestly, that sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Because Jesus is not on the roof, he's in the house. But if we can get him onto the roof, it's closer anyway. Maybe there's a chimney we can drop it. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. But the conversation had to have taken place. Hey, we can't get him in. Let, at least let's get him onto the roof. And we'll figure it out from there. Now, I have a picture for you. Chris, can you put up this picture? This is a typical home that would have been in Capernaum at the time. <clears throat> and as you can tell, the, the roofs are all flat. This is very, very typical for the, the, this time and uh, period of, of the Middle East. Um, uh, and particularly here in the city of Capernaum. Uh, and you can see uh, in this particular picture that there are... Uh, people drying fish uh, on their roofs. So it would have been very, very typical for these people to, to put fish on their roofs that they had just caught so that they would dry them out and then take them to market and sell them. 
Okay, so this would have been a, a very common practice in the city of Capernaum. But if you look kind of here in the center, uh, you'll see that there is a stairway leading to the roof. Uh, again, this is very typical for this type of home uh, in this period of time in this city where people use the roofs of their houses uh, in, the, in the evening. You can see this one in the middle had a, had a shade covering and so on and so forth. But it was not uncommon for this practice. So when they made this suggestion, hey, let's get them onto the roof. It was accessible. Okay, they didn't. It's not like homes that we live in today where you would have to get a ladder and and get up on the roof and it, it would be pitched and all that stuff. This is exactly what they would have been dealing with. <clears throat> so. Again, I, I can imagine I can I can imagine them getting onto the roof and one of them looking at the, the guy with the great idea and saying, Okay, what do we do now? What do you do? You're on the roof. <laughs> no tools. You know, I, I mean I'm sure when they started this journey they did not say, you know what, I'm taking a jackhammer with me. You know, well, why are you taking a jackhammer? I don't know. We just might need it. I, you know, I, I don't see that happening. This this is all happening, at least from the way I read this story, it's all happening on the fly, if you would. We don't know how they tore up the roof, but the assumption is they did it with their bare hands. And if you read the parallel story in Luke, chapter, uh, chapter 5 and verse 19 particularly, it identifies the roof as being made out of tile. So here they are. Now, <clears throat> we have a roofer here. We, we, we roof with tile very differently than they would have then. Basically, what they would have done then is they would have cemented the tile down. And so, so, okay, think about this. They have to rip up this roof using their bare hands, tearing up tile and some sort of a concrete mixture that's holding it all together. That's a big obstacle. But they're willing to overcome the obstacle. Obstacle number three. <clears throat> have you ever thought about the homeowner. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I mean, we used to live in South Carolina and North Carolina where there are critters. And every once in a while we would get a squirrel on the roof or something and my wife thought that the house was falling down. Or have you ever heard somebody walking on your roof? Okay, now, 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 please get this because this is really important. What is happening inside the house? For lack of better terms, a church service, right? Jesus is teaching and, and preaching to this huge crowd. And there are people tromping around on the roof. And they're starting to tear the roof apart. Now, what would you do as a homeowner? Just saying. 
you know? On top of that, whose house was it? Peter's. Was Peter known as a calm, mild-mannered kind of guy? No. Peter at best (laughs) was impulsive, rash, right? You think he's just sitting there going, hey guys, you want me to come help? No. Yet, we read nothing about any objection from Peter, his parents, or anybody else. Because, think about this. If you were inside the house, listening to Jesus, and somebody starts tearing the roof apart, do you have any idea what they're doing? I mean, would you sit there and go, oh, there must be a guy sick of the palsy on the roof that they're going to lower down and Jesus is going to heal. That is not what you're thinking. But yet there's no indication in Scripture that anybody is upset about what's taking place. Obstacle number four. The critics. What did the scribes and the Pharisees start doing? Almost immediately. Criticizing. Who does he think he is? You know, I have found that whenever someone does something for God, there's always going to be a critic. We cannot allow critics to control our actions. If we are going to make a way, we're going to have obstacles that we're going to have to overcome. And one of those obstacles are the critics. Jesus faced criticism every time he turned around. Yet he kept right on going. I also thought of the Apostle Paul. And he he wrote in 2 Timothy, as he was talking to the young preacher Timothy, he wrote this in chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. He says, For I uh, am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He describes the the journey as, as a fight. Why? Partially because of all the critics that he faced. He was stoned. He was was beaten numerous times. Why? Because he was willing to overcome some obstacles in his life so that he could make a way for people to come to Jesus Christ. Albert Hubbard, I have no idea who this is, but I love this quote. To avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. I love that. Point number two, 
Making a way always includes obstacles. Number two, always includes faith. Always includes faith. Faith is a huge part of what God has called us to do. Is it not? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. But the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Very common scripture. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is, is, is incredibly important to what God has called us to do. So let's look at the faith of the people in the story. Because really, is that not what the important thing here? Number one, let's look at the faith of the man. Now I'm talking about the man who was sick, okay? The faith of the man. <clears throat> We're not told much about his faith, but there is, there is a lot that we can clearly imply was a part of his life. How about this? We do know that he had faith in his friends. Right? This man let his friends take him to the house. They let him carry him onto the roof. I, again, I, I, you know, you saw the picture of the stairs. Very narrow, very steep. The poor guy was probably holding on to the, to the stretcher for dear life as they chucked him up those stairs. As he lay there in, on the stretcher, laying on the roof, I'm sure, I, I, at least this is how I picture it, they get on the roof and they're like, okay, let's put him in the corner, and they start tearing up the roof. Can you imagine what's going through his head? What are they doing? i got to pay for this. Right? I don't have any money. Then... That, I don't know, but I have, I have, I, I tried to imagine this, laying on a stretcher, lowering him down. Now, I've never laid on a stretcher with four people lowering me down, but you, you, can you imagine what would happen if one of the guy's hand slipped? Man, you'd just go, whoosh. But these guys, he had faith in his friends. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of faith. Now let's talk about number the second, the second one that the the faith of the four friends, the faith of the four friends. Their faith started with the journey to the house. Because they knew if they could get him to Jesus, that he could be healed. They were willing to overcome obstacles along the way. Again, if you're going to do anything for Jesus, obstacles are going to be part of it. We're told in verse 5 that it was their faith that moved the heart of Jesus. Look at verse 5, chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, and when Jesus saw their faith, 
Who is the there? The four guys. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, I want to stop right here because I, I have a question for you. I need you to answer this question, okay? Can the child of a godly parent get saved solely on the faith of the parent? No. Can't do it. So, <clears throat> it would appear by reading this, this, this passage that this man got saved because of the faith of his four friends. That's not true. How do we get saved today? We get saved today by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How did he get saved? The same way. It was the faith of these four men that brought him to the place where he could meet with Jesus face to face. This man was saved because he was able to meet with Jesus. The same way I was saved. And if you're saved this morning, it's the same way you get saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And as I was reading this, I, came, I, I opened one of my commentary. Well, actually, I opened several of them, but one in particular, I was reading a, a commentary from a guy named J. Vernon McGee. Uh, old 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 guy. I, I think he's still alive. I, I could be wrong. Oh no, actually he is he's he is he's with the Lord now. I, I I'm sorry. He is he is with the Lord now. But anyway, this is what he wrote about this passage. And I I wanted to read this to you because I I I found it to be very insightful. This is what he wrote. He said, "We need uh, in the church today. Or excuse me. What we need in the church today is stretcher bearers." men and women with the kind of faith to go out and bring in the unsaved so that they can hear the gospel. There are many people today who are paralyzed with the palsy of sin and with the palsy of indifference and with the palsy of injustice. A great many people are not going to go to church where the gospel is preached unless you take up a corner of a stretcher and bring them in. That's what these men did. They had the faith to bring this poor man to hear Jesus, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus, deal with, their pers with him personally and say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Did you know? that 71% of people today that fall into the category of unchurched, 71% of the people that are unchurched in our, in our country today say that they are likely to accept a personal invita invitation from a family member, friend, or neighbor to attend church. 
The problem is we're just not asking. And I love what J. Vernon McGee said. Our church, not, I mean, Grace Baptist Church does, but our church, as in churches today, need people that are willing to be <clears throat> stretcher bearers, who are willing to go out and, and take on some of the obstacles and say, you know what? I'm willing to put myself out there. Hey, hey, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday? It is an incredible opportunity. Seventy-one. I, I, I read the statistic and I was, I was blown away. That is three quarters, basically, actually a little over three, well, no, a little less than three quarters of our population. People are willing and waiting, waiting to come to church. All they need to do is be asked. As I read this story and God worked in my heart about this story, I thought there is no greater example of missions than this story. Number three, the third, the faith of the homeowner. The faith of the homeowner. We <clears throat> talked about the faith of the man, the faith of the four four friends, and let, let's talk about the faith of the homeowner again a little bit. I already touched on it a little bit, but I, I, I want you to think about this. What do you think would have happened if Peter or someone else, his mom or dad or just someone, would have stood up and started a commotion? It would have, it would have killed the entire thing. Now, 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 now think about this for a second. Do you think the process <clears throat> of tearing tiles off of a roof was a quiet process. So it wasn't like Jesus was preaching away and then all of a sudden everybody looked up and went, oh, where'd that hole come from? No. It had to have been a noisy process. Do you think it was a little dusty? Okay. I, I, I just, I, I have this envision of dirt by the bucket load just poof. because I don't know if you've ever, Rick's done this so Rick knows when you when you pull a roof especially in the desert is it clean no I mean you got years of dust build up plus you're dealing with tile that is dusty and the mortar that's holding it in is the whole process. So it's it's noisy, it's dusty, uh, <clears throat> and it's distracting. The, the whole thing just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's a good thing they didn't bring the jackhammer. But the whole the whole process, but yet nothing, the homeowner, Peter, nobody makes a fuss. The only way I can explain that is the supernatural ability of God to control the situation. 
because that man needed to get to Jesus. Think about this. This is an interesting thought that I had. At least it was interesting to me. So hopefully it is to you. I wonder if after the crowd left, that the four guys stayed around and repaired the roof. Just, I don't know, it's just a random thought I had. Probably not. Here, here. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you know. Here's another interesting thought. And this one really, really burdened my heart. I wonder what would have happened if the four friends were concerned about what other people thought. I I mean, one of them, one of them had to have said to at least one other one, what are you doing? As he's tearing up roof tiles. One of them had to say, what are you doing? This is not your house. You're crazy. But the reality is this. If we're going to do anything for Christ, people are going to think we're crazy. During an an especially difficult time, in the China Inland Mission, Hudson Taylor wrote to his wife, he said, he said this, he said, we have 25 cents and all the promises of God. Faith. What does your faith look like this morning? Number three, and we'll be done. <clears throat> I promise. So we've looked at Making a way always includes obstacles, always includes faith. And number three, always has results. There are three, in my, in my looking at it, there are three obvious results. The first one is really simple. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. We already talked about it. <clears throat> first one, the first result, the salvation of the friend. The guy got saved. What what an incredible result. Did I not give you that one, Chris? Oh, oh, there it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I, I didn't see it. What an incredible result of four men willing to do the hard thing. The second result... is the miracle of healing. The guy was made whole. Look at verse 12. And immediately he arose, took up his bed. Now now let's stop right there. Let's think about this for a second. How long had he been in, in in this situation? We don't know, but it had to have been a long time. Right? What happens to our muscles 
if we don't use them. We atrophy, right? Those of you know, I had I went through a major, uh, well, not ma- I had a minor surgery that turned into a big problem, but I was not able to use my leg for about six weeks. And after six weeks, my leg had atrophied to the point I could hardly use it. I could hardly stand up. That's just six weeks. But what does this guy do? His whole body had atrophied. What did he do? Jesus said, get up and walk. And not only did he get up and walk, but he picked up his bed. That, my friend, is being made whole. See, Jesus just didn't heal him and say, okay, the palsy is gone. He made him whole. There's a big difference. And I'm here to tell you. Well, let's let's continue reading. And immediately he arose and stood up uh, and, and took up his bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all what? Amazed. They stood there in utter amazement at what they saw. Because four men were willing to, do, to overcome obstacles and had the faith that they needed to get the man to Jesus. My friend, I want to share something with you. The God that performed that miracle is the same God we serve today. And he is just as capable of doing that today as he was then. Number three, the third result. God was glorified. Look at verse 12 again. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth uh, before all of them, or them all, either way, uh, insomuch that they were all amazed and what? Glorified God. God is going to be glorified. Ultimately, isn't that what missions is all about? It's not about the fact that we can, we can stand back and we can say, oh, our church gave so much to missions this year. No. Why? It's so that the glory of God can be spread throughout the world. Why do we bring people to church so we can walk through the door and say, ha ha, I got one more. No. Hey, you laugh at that. I know people that think like that. No. The point is to bring them to Jesus. So what? So that God can be glorified through their lives. That's what missions is about. It's not so that we can notch another one on the old belt. I want to close with a few few questions. I want to challenge us this morning the way God challenged me through this passage. The first, the first <clears throat> question I have for you is this. What kind of obstacles are you willing to overcome for the cause of Christ? Are you willing to overcome the obstacle of what people think about you?
Are you willing? Are you willing to overcome the obstacle of the fear of the unknown? That's a huge one. Or the fear of ridicule. Somebody laughing at you. Oh, I don't want to go to church. You big sissy. You know what? What are you willing to overcome? The second question that God challenged me with this is, he said, God didn't speak to me audibly, but I think you know what I'm talking. He spoke to my heart and he said, Rick, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have the faith to tear up somebody's roof to get them to Jesus Christ? I hope I do. But what kind of faith do you have? In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to the, unto this mountain, uh, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible for you. What kind of faith do you have? Then the last question that God challenged me with, are you willing to be a stretcher bearer? Are you willing to go out and say, you know what? Hey, I'd love for you to come to church. We have, we have tracks in the back over here. Have the, the information from the church, have the gospel in the back. You know what? Take a handful of those and take them to Walmart and Lowe's and places like that, your neighbors, and just invite them to church. The problem is, to do that, we have to get out of our comfort zones. And nobody likes getting out of their comfort zone. But that's what missions is all about. Let's do our part. Let's do our part and leave the results to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, <clears throat> I want to thank you for this passage. You, you have challenged me so much through the study of this, of this story. And I, I pray, dear God, that I have try, I've tried my best to communicate just a, a, a little bit of what you have done in my heart through this passage. And I am so thankful, so grateful. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would challenge our thinking and that you would help us to be willing to make a way. Be willing to take on the obstacles, to have the faith so that we can see the results. Ultimately, that you would be glorified. We're so thankful and grateful for all that you do. Help us, dear God. With every head bowed.